0: So, the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This is the story of how a
1: group of people brought music back to Afghanistan by creating their own version of American Idol. The joy they brought to the
2: nation. You're free completely. No one is there to destroy you. The danger
1: they endured.
3: They said my head should be cut off.
1: I'm John Legend. Listen to Afghan Star on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or
2: wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here.
0: Welcome back to the show, Ridiculous Historians. Thank you, as always, so much for tuning in. Today's episode is a gasp, but is it a mad gasp, Noel? I think that's our starting question.
3: I don't know, but let me take a mad gasp for breath before I start talking about this, because there's a lot to go over. Uh, I love the expression, um, it's a gas. Uh, Let's see, life's a gas. There's a T-Rex song. life's a gas. Best enunciation of the word gas, stretching it out into literally like four syllables. Um, But yeah, we're talking about hysteria. We're talking about uh, things existing largely in the minds of the public and kind of inventing foes that represent kind of your deepest, darkest fears.
0: Yeah, yeah. And of course, as always, uh, mad gassed to have our super producer, Casey Pegram, and our guest producer, Andrew Howard, along with us on the ride today. Uh, If you're a fan of hip hop, of course, you know that people can be gassed about something, which might mean uh, excited, sometimes with the connotation of being overly excited or maybe a little more optimistic about an idea this has nothing to do with music but it does have a lot to do with public panic and the fear of crowds now this story may not be familiar to a lot of people outside of central illinois but if you are from central Illinois, specifically the town of Mattoon, then you are probably familiar with the events that began in early September 1944. Here's the headline, folks. There was a mysterious figure in black who was, for some enigmatic reason, spraying paralyzing gas into the windows of people's homes. That's that's a very specific odd flex slash crime. Uh, the newspapers, no, they went overboard. Oh, I forgot to say, I'm Ben. The newspapers went overboard with the reporting of this and they they kind of took it to the court of public opinion, declaring that these attacks, these gassings, were the work of what they called a mad gasser. And off air, we talked about the idea of putting, there's this very specific move with reporting and publicity sometimes with alarmist reporting to put the word mad in front of a verb of something someone did so like mad gasser there would also be uh the one you brought up earlier Noel. yeah like a mad bomber
3: Mm. or perhaps a mad I don't know. Once you start getting into slashing, that just you don't need an extra word in front of that. You just Mm -hmm. you're just a slasher. It's 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 implied. I think that you're a mad slasher. I do like the term mad dash, though. Right? Like Mm -hmm. I made a mad dash for the bus or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, But no, it's true, Ben. And and I was looking it up because the 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 idea of of gassing or of uh, a a paralyzing gas to me makes me think of what would be considered a nerve agent or Mm -hmm. nerve gas. Which wasn't really discovered or invented even really until I believe the late 30s, if I'm not mistaken, Ben. And it would have been used during World War II, but would it have been in the Zeitgeist yet by this point, Ben? It seems like this is very, very close to that whole uh, discovery.
0: Yeah, yeah, because yeah, in 1944, just a few years after the 30s, it would have been incredibly unusual for someone to both know about this stuff and have access to it. So like, let's say you have a career in the military and some Mm -hmm. specific aspects of the military, you could quite possibly be very well aware of this stuff, but then knowing what it is and how it works would not be the same thing as being able to get your glove-clad hands on it and (laughs) and then properly fumigate somebody's house with it.
3: Totally. And the one we think of even still today, sarin gas, was not discovered until uh, 1939. It's unclear to me, but I think I, 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 I'm, I'm leaning in your direction, Ben, that this wouldn't have been something that would have been, like, discussed or have direct paranoia about. But that's that's mm. really interesting. But that's but really it's, it's really interesting to consider where this hysteria or this panic came from. And we'll, we'll get right into that.
0: Yeah, th- this is the thing. So, just a little further word about this, if this gas existed and had the effects that it was described as having in the papers of the time, then it would have been an incapacitated agent. And those agents are, humanity is known about the ability of some substances to like put people in a stupor or paralyze them or put them to sleep for a long time. The question is... All about the specifics what is this gas what happened why did over 20 people claim that this mad gasser sometimes known as the phantom anesthetist why why did over 20 people feel like they were attacked by this person uh the fbi began investigating uh spoiler alert fellow ridiculous historians the police never captured this gasser so here's the thing Police never captured this gasser. Doctors, medical experts who examined the victims could not find anything wrong with them, uh, nor traces of chemicals in the bodies of these victims. And police also couldn't find traces of the chemicals in the residences or the structures that the gasser was alleged to attack. The person also didn't leave footprints. So what sparked... The panic, and it is a panic. Mm-hmm. It's it's actually, yep. it's something called mass hysteria, which is it's very real.
3: Absolutely mass hysteria. And the thing that really gets interesting is how you know, I brought up the idea of nerve agents, and I think that the, there's a real nice clue in that uh, headline or that that other nickname, the uh, phantom anesthetist. The idea of this could have been the work of uh, a different substance, not a nerve agent at all, but more of like a laughing gas situation that people would have been aware of that you used to put people under during surgery. And that, you know, it had been around for a long time and, and was commonly used like in dental Procedures and and uh, and the like, um, or uh, something heavier that might have been used during you know more invasive surgery. But the thing that's fascinating is the behavior of of some of these individuals that claim to have been drugged in this way. And and we also have like a precedent kind of for this kind of mass hysteria. We have reported it recently, in fact, or at least what we you know conjecture it to be that. Then on Stuff They Don't Want You to Know, where I believe it was in India, there were cases of young children seeing um, apparitions of some kind or demons or, you know, possession type things. And uh, there was film that we actually saw of, of these, uh, these kids kind of in, in the state of this trance-like state kind of screaming as though they're having a waking nightmare. That's obviously a very upsetting example. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a, a slightly more... Funny, but then it gets to be upsetting example from France in uh, July of 1518, where we had people dancing uncontrollably in the streets. Like that song, you know, dancing in the streets. I think that's what David Bowie and uh, Mick Jagger. Fabulous video. but. It, it it escalates. This kind of mania uh, or hysteria tends to be catchy, like the song also Dancing in the Streets, which I probably won't be able to get in my head for the rest of the week. These numbers of people started to balloon from 30 to several hundred uh, individuals dancing in the streets, and, and some of them actually died, uh, mm-hmm. not from some kind of poisoning or some kind of substance or any kind of thing like that. It was literally just from overexhaustion like that scene in uh, *Midsummer* where you dance so hard that you just pass out, only these folks actually died.
0: Yeah, you can die from exhaustion, it's true. And uh, the Screaming Girls of Malaysia is that Stuff They Don't Want You to Know episode, I believe. hmm Well worth a listen. Look, there, there are multiple cases of what people would later describe as mass hysteria. And some of them sound a little silly, you know, with the benefit of retrospect, when you're thinking, wow... Was there really a a problem with nuns in France meowing like cats? How was that contagious? You know, uh, what is the Mount Pleasant, Mississippi hexing? The question today is, is this a case of this mass hysteria? To answer that, we have to go to the beginning So, the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
2: This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Grainger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.
1: When the Taliban banned music in Afghanistan, millions were plunged into silence. Radios were smashed. Cassettes burned. You could be beaten or jailed or killed for breaking the rules. And yet? I'm John Legend. Listen to Afghan Star on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your
0: podcasts. Matun is a uh, a pretty small city. It's about 49, 50 miles south of Champaign as the crow flies, population of around 18,000. If we fast forward to the end of August, 1944, it's hot town, summer in the city. You know what I mean? People have their windows open at night because they want to let in that cool evening breeze. But in 1944, summer is a little bit different. Instead of having their windows open all the way, typically the way they usually would, right, with just some gauzy curtains between them and the outside world, people only open their windows a crack because so many of the men of the town were away fighting in world war ii and there was this kind of um, this undercurrent of fear and this was common in most of the united states at the time even if you were a civilian you were told you were part of the fight you needed to be on the alert you needed to keep your mouth shut about possible military movements and keep your eyes open for any sus activity. Everybody was on the edge of a figurative knife. And so on August 31st, a couple is asleep in their house. They wake up, they smell something that they describe as sweet. And then they say, as soon as we smelled this, we began feeling strange. Understandably, this freaked them out. Absolutely. And I think it is key
3: how on edge people would have been, you know, for fear of a larger attack, perhaps. Right. And it's interesting how, you know, I think it's key that folks were so on edge, perhaps for fear of a larger attack or a bombing raid of some kind. Who knows? You know, it's all very sketchy territory, uh, even though the war is not on U.S. soil. Uh, who knows what could happen? So I'm, I'm, I'm with them in that uh, headspace. But you're right, that sweet smell kind of wafting in through the window. We had Mrs. Rafe, Um, she got out of bed thinking that maybe it was a gas leak or that the pilot light was out, and she found herself to be paralyzed, or at least her legs at this point. And uh, her husband, Mr. Rafe, was afflicted uh, similarly. He was weak, he felt nausea overtake him, and he immediately began to uh, vomit violently. That's no fun, um, and he, without even getting out of bed. Uh, so, yeah, uh, we had other reports from neighbors uh, that a young mother was awakened by her daughter coughing violently, and then when she checked on her daughter, she found that she had been paralyzed and wasn't able to get out of bed. And apparently neither of those uh, families reported these uh, happenings right away. It maybe wasn't until uh, another attack, on September 1st of 1944 that folks felt maybe something was up what happened on the night of September 1st
0: 1944 Ben yeah they that's a really important point they did eventually report this but after some amount of time had passed and this this is going to be a, a crucial detail later September 1st 1944 Aline Kearney goes to bed That evening, she's not feeling super great. Her sister had helped her count some money that she had gotten from a check she cashed earlier, but Kearney had left her windows open at her house so anyone who walked by could have seen her and her sister counting out the scratch. Why was she concerned? Well, she had reason. Her husband was working the late shift and... The newspapers at the time, which were, make no mistake about it, folks, thriving on this culture of fear, they had said the police were looking for a Nazi who had escaped a POW camp near Peoria, Illinois. And then there was also uh, an ongoing concern about prowlers, peeping toms, they had been called at other times. So it's around 11 p.m. She goes to bed. She has a three-year-old daughter. She takes her daughter with her. And then not too long, as historyofyesterday.com reports it, not too long after 11 p.m., Kearney notices a sickly sweet odor in her bedroom. It sounds familiar, but unlike the Wraiths, she ignores the smell and she's like, I got the window open. Maybe it's some flowers, right? Maybe I'm just smelling flowers and I'm not too familiar with it, but She noticed the smell started becoming stronger, more apparent. And then she, like the folks from the other day, began to lose feeling, specifically in her legs. She called for her sister, Martha, who was staying overnight as well, saying, Martha, come help me. Martha uh, ran next door to the Robinsons. Those are their neighbors and their neighbors summoned the police. Mr. Robinson And law enforcement search around the house and the yard, and they find nothing amiss. They don't experience any paralytic effects or anything like that. Whatever happened, if gas it was, must have dissipated between the time Kearney became paralyzed and the time her neighbors arrived. And then finally, her husband gets home, Bert. Bert Kearney comes home from driving a taxi. It's like... Midnight 30, you know, it's, it's getting into the wee hours. And he says something interesting. He thinks he saw someone. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So, the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. When the Taliban banned music in Afghanistan, millions were plunged into
3: silence.
1: Radios were smashed. Cassettes burned. You could be beaten or jailed or killed for breaking the rules. And yet, Afghans did it.
2: Fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday.
0: Specifically, he thought he saw a tall man in dark clothes with a tight-fitting cap lurking at the bedroom window. And he took off after this guy, but the guy got away. So the police are called a second time. And for a second time, they don't find anything, nothing amiss, no footprints, nothing in disarray, certainly not some unidentified, dark-clad, super-sketchy stranger. About 30 minutes later, Ms. Kearney can walk again. Her paralysis is gone, but her daughter is still feeling these ill effects until the next morning. and. That next morning, Ms. Kearney, when she talks to the papers about this, she says her mouth and throat remained really dry, like she oh had a cotton, cotton mouth, and her lips, she felt, were burned by this gas.
3: Yeah, very specific results that people are talking about. But thankfully, the worst of these symptoms, the paralysis, seemed to have subsided uh, after about a half hour, but her daughter was feeling very under the weather until the next morning. Um, so the next day, Mrs. Kearney went to the newspaper, told them about her mouth and throat and, and parched lips and then the burning sensation and all of these things, including this uh, idea that there was some kind of prowler uh, and, uh, you know, was referring to this gas as though this was like a sure thing. She knows that this is what happened. Um, so of course, like they do, the media took this and ran with it. You know, Um, so on September 2nd, 1944, this became front page news in the Mattoon Journal Gazette. Admittedly, a paper with relatively small circulation, but the front page read the following headline Anesthetic Prowler on Loose. Wow. I mean, come on, talk about whipping up a panic, right? Like a small town like that, the idea of a very specific, kind of almost fetishized <laughs> prowler that is uh, going around and maybe not murdering people, but you know, doing trying meaning to do them harm. And yeah, and then there's another article that said Mrs. Kearney and daughter first victims. Uh, and there was no evidence outside of the hearsay um, that was provided by Mrs. Kearney and, and her daughter. They had no evidence to back this up. There was no police report associated with the existence of this prowler. And yet they're reporting on this individual as though they are uh, the real deal. And so in the minds of people, of course, it did becomes the real deal. Mm -hmm. And and the paper benefited from this. If it bleeds, it leads. Or if it gasses, it passes. Uh, Mattoon Journal Gazette saw a 97% uh, bump in subscribership. which is a big deal. In that small town, that's like nearly 100% subscribership of 18,000 people. That's a serious boost.
0: Mm-hmm. And it, uh, it only accrued momentum because a few days after that, the Wraiths come forward and they say, you know, we also, we and our, our neighbor encountered the exact same thing you're describing. And picture the person at the Mattoon Journal-Gazette, the editor-in-chief, saying, dang, we missed the headline, we could make an even more spectacular headline or sensationalist headline, I should say. Again, they also, despite the fact that they described some of the same things, almost as if they had read the paper with a 97% subscription rate, they they also did not have anything in the way of evidence, fingerprints, footprints, etc. So, There is a great question here, and it's something explored in multiple sources. And the question is this, to what extent were the local papers involved in the making of the Mad Gasser beyond just the reporting of the events? It's true that they did not print anything about these attacks until several days into September. And at that point, by that point, multiple people, as we've shown, have already come to law enforcement with complaints of attacks using gas. And ethically, it would have been their job to talk about it. And if the entire incident was just sort of a symptom of the fear that was gripping so many people in the U.S. and Illinois at this time, then the truth of the matter is that town gossip and chit-chat and Argil Bargle would have already <laughs> f- fired up the populace well before they saw these headlines. So, Anesthetic Prowler is actually a little. Um- <laughs> I I guess a little less sensationalistic than they could have gone. Oh, I
3: mean, well, if you compare it to Mad Gasser, to me, it sounds like the neutered version or like mm. the more polite version. Anesthetic Prowler versus Mad Gasser. I think Anesthetic Prowler is probably the more diplomatic of the two, right?
0: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Although I love when people drop Phantom into stuff. Phantom is like mad as well. The papers did some digging and they found that about a decade ago in Virginia... There have been reports of another rash of gassing incidents. No arrest, no fatalities. So the papers revived this story and they said, This is where the mad gasser comes in. And they said, Hey, maybe that mad gasser who never got caught in Virginia came out here to central Illinois. And then when they reported that, something that we've talked about in the past on other shows began to happen more and more people began coming forward and claimed that they had a story. Just like if there's a report of a famous person disappearing or a report of a criminal on the loose, multiple people will claim they have seen this person. And the thing is, they're not necessarily lying. They believe what they're saying. And so, Yeah, we have to be careful when we think about all the other people who came forward. Two other women said that, Something like this had happened to them, not in August, but a few months earlier, and they just didn't think about reporting it until they saw the newspaper. Which, what is the logic there? Like, if you got gassed, if you felt like you got gassed and you were paralyzed, even just for an hour, you you would tell, like, you would at least text me and Casey.
3: Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, and and I'm not not trying to make this overly heavy, but it's not even the same. As say being a victim of sexual assault or being a victim of molestation by like a relative or something like that, that makes sense that people would bury that and not talk about it because there's a personal shame element involved. All kinds of psychological angles as to why people would would hide that. Whereas maybe I don't know who who am I to say. Maybe this has a maybe there's a crossover there somewhere. Maybe someone feels if they've been victimized in any way that there's a point of shame. There, but I agree with you completely, Ben. If I had been gassed or felt that I had been gassed, I absolutely would say something. Mm-hmm. I don't see any reason why I would uh, why I would hide that or be embarrassed by it.
0: You know, it's the age of ubiquitous information and uh, nonstop, continual communication online. So I imagine if something like this happened today, even in the same town, there would be some kids on TikTok, Totally. Right? Who would, who would be on the case within three minutes. But the uh, this, you make a good point, you know, that there may be some kind of shame, some kind of compelling shame that prevented people from reporting this, or they may have had some personal circumstances that kind of disincentivized them from interacting with the police. But it continues. The incidents multiply. Another person comes forward and says, I was Coming back to my house, I saw a sketchy dude in black. He was lurking by the window, and he ran away when I tried to approach him. And then sometimes three or four houses would report these specific types of gas attacks on a single night. So the windows, which were open or crack, are now shut, and people began sleeping in shifts. Uh, Let's go to, there's one attack we know a lot about. Or the one that seems the most elaborate. Let's see what's going on there. Uh, September fifth, nineteen forty-four. This is a hell of a couple of weeks for the people of Mattoon.
3: It's true, and by the way, I want to point out something that we talked about off the air. The name Mattoon. When I first saw that and researching this, I assumed it was in like you know India or something. It's just a very unusual name that doesn't necessarily sound like it would be in Illinois. I love it. It's it's a, it's a really
0: cool cool name and fun to say. And it's it's happened again, folks. We have had such a gas of a time. Uh, please don't call us ourselves gas bags. Uh, but this is becoming a two-part episode. Noel, did you ever hear the phrase gas bag before? I'm not making that up, right? That's a real
3: thing. No, no, that's funny you say that, Ben. I was going to mention it earlier on. Um, it's, it popped right into my head. Gas bag and D. Well, I think it's like basically the equivalent of like being a wind bag or, you know, someone that's uh, full of crap and then just talks a lot of smack.
0: Well, hopefully, hopefully if we talk smack, we're not, we're not full of crap. Uh, And and we are going to return in our very next episode uh, with some more explorations of the Mad Gaster, including perhaps most importantly, some theories about how this strange event could have come to unfold can't wait uh, to hear your thoughts on these. In the meantime, please let us know uh, what you think about this. You can find us online. Uh, we're on Facebook. We like to recommend Ridiculous Historians. You can also find us as individuals. That's right. You can find me on Instagram where I am at how now Noel Brown. And you can find me on Instagram at Ben Bolin, uh, where occasionally I post embarrassing childhood photos that my mother keep sending me for some reason you can also find me on Twitter app and, bull and HSW thanks as always to our super producer Casey Pegram and our guest producer Andrew Howard
3: and huge thanks to Gabe Lugier for bringing this uh, this amazing topic to our attention and for being this an all around swell guy who we will absolutely have back on the show soon Christopher Haciotis here
0: in spirit Jonathan Strickland the Quister and Alex Williams who composed our theme I can't wait for part two man this gets into some really interesting stuff wouldn't you say I would say. And we'll see you then, folks.
3: For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.